0: Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Bud going to have a good old conference realignment discussion this evening. So fun. Uh, we decided to boot this uh, to kind of its own standalone podcast from the previous pod. Um, so good to have a decent amount of time carved out. We can just kind of go back and forth in this, have a little bit of an informal conversation as to what we see, what we've heard, and maybe what we think the next uh couple of weeks and even a couple of years uh play out. So as always, we'll thank our friends, Tarp Sellers Winery, uh, for making conversations like these possible. sellers.com twenty percent uh, off when using the coupon code NOLCAST. And thank you ever much for the support that you've shown our friend Jeremy, his business, and the NOLCAST uh, as a whole with uh with what you guys have done with tarp
1: sellers. So big thank you there, but let's jump into it. I need a new hat, Jeremy. By the way, I have worn that Tarpon Sellers hat out. It is an awesome hat, and uh, but it's all white, and or it was all white, and now you know, I have two young kids, and I've worn it all week at the beach and golfing, and it. it I need a new hat. I, I need a new Tarpon Sellers lid. So, uh, Ingram, you got my address? Yeah, I think, uh, Ma- I think Maggie wants the wine. Down. By the way, she she is. She, we she, <laughs> we are asking questions for those of y'all who don't know. So, Ingram and his fiance were racking up the like, like the wine when when my wife was pregnant, right? Because obviously she's not drinking a whole lot of wine when she's pregnant. So now Maggie's like, "Hey, she's been like, it's been we, a couple we got, couple we got, of we weeks. We got, we got back orders a here, couple of months. We're, 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 we're uh... going to talk to them up there in Atlanta and uh, and and figure out what's going on." So I I, I get asked.
0: Uh, I don't. Uh you know, we've had a good working relationship for many years, bud, and that's awesome. And something I'm very proud of, but I, I don't want to see the wrong end of, of Maggie and, uh, <laughs> I'll get started on that immediately. Absolutely.
1: Oh man. All right. So, uh, I do fear that the ACC might be on the wrong end of the Notre Dame stick. That's uh you don't think we could pull out a transition out of that, but, uh, but we did. So I, I think there's like a couple of things we got to establish before we start talking about like the reasonable options. Um, not that any of these are super reasonable, but they're sort of half-baked and then potentially possible, even if they're unlikely. Notre Dame did sign an agreement that if it was going, going to join a conference in the next uh, X number of years, that it uh, has to play in the ACC unless it decides to buy out of that agreement, which it would have to forfeit all of its uh, basically non football granted rights sports. Ultimately, though, that's not that big of a deal to, to, to the Irish because those sports don't make a whole lot of money. Thus, most of them are called non-revenue sports. The Irish certainly aren't making any money off their baseball and and their basketball is not bad, but it's not really anything compared to their football. Uh, They also are not guaranteed to join any conference, but I do think if they do join one, it will not be the ACC. Uh, They really value their independence. And I know that's kind of people just brush that off as a bit of a, a leverage ploy, but I'm not really so sure, dude, that the, like, there are some schools that just have so much money in their endowment that it really may not – the TV money is not quite as important to them. It's more a path to the playoff and access. And important to remember here, who worked closely together on that 12-team playoff proposal that the ACC voted to veto, or at least postpone? The SEC and Notre Dame, right? The SEC has all the incentive in the world to keep Notre Dame independent, and it, it'll give them a playoff spot because if the if Notre Dame has an easy path to a playoff spot – it's not going to need to accept a conference bid. It can keep its independence. And it has this new TV deal coming up in, I think, two years. So uh, they're about to get paid paid, and maybe by more than NBC. We'll see. Uh, so that's kind of where it is at Notre Dame. I don't think the Irish life raft is coming for the ACC, unless some really weird conditions happen. I'm, I'm curious if you think like there's any possibility there. Well,
0: I mean, if you take them at their word, certainly no, uh, not only is there the comment from a couple months ago about, uh, you know, everybody trying to get themselves within the same, you know, gravitational pull of, uh, of either the sun that is the, the big 10 or the sec, uh, to paraphrase their athletic director. Also, um, when, during the COVID year, when Florida, when Florida state, excuse me, when ACC, uh, gave them that kind of temporary housing, so to say, uh, the Irish came out and said basically thanks we're all the more set in our ways that we're not going to be joining the ACC. I mean they've given two exceptionally public comments uh leading you to to uh you know not have a whole lot of positive extrapolations as to whether or not they're going to be a conference member. Now to answer your your, your question or perhaps reference that you were saying there, look, the only way that I see Notre Dame and the ACC as long-term partners and this is a something I do not believe is going to happen, but it's the only path that I would think that this is even a remote possibility is if the ACC or excuse me, well, ACC, ESPN, let's use those interchangeably at times. uh, If ESPN decides that potentially owning two thirds of the college football pie is worth more than just one half. And what I mean by that is if ESPN were to be convinced that there could be three conference superpowers uh, to exist and that you would probably overpay for the NBC contract that you just referenced there uh, with Notre Dame and an effort to try to force them into the ACC full time. That would, in my opinion, see the ACC probably add two schools from Texas, whether a Bay- Baylor or SMU or whatever. We've got plenty of time to debate at those schools that are probably never going to happen in a far-off hypothetical. And then if there were West Coast schools out there that were still of any value, I could see the ACC trying to clobber together some kind of coastal conference with a Texas presence. Again, likelihood of this happened, slim to none. Uh, But I think it's the only path that would see Notre Dame and the ACC
1: in some kind of permanent full-time relationship. I I think that makes a lot of sense, Um, and I agree with you. I think it's unlikely. So let's say that the ACC gave everybody a number. Here's a buyout number. Okay, take it. We will reform. We'll join up with the Big 12. There are still some reasons why that might be an issue. And there were even some rumors that they got a buyout number. Right, like those were kind of floating around a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think I don't think any number was ever officially confirmed or settled on. And then we saw Dennis Dodd report five hundred, and then I, I think you also saw a number of like two hundred out there, and then I saw fifty million. And there's no way that's right. Uh, you no know, common sense. I think,
0: I think just think. the buyout itself, uh, and we need to separate the buyout and the and the granite rights. But the buyout itself, I believe, is somewhere between hundred and twenty and thirty, one hundred and twenty, and one hundred forty million dollars. Uh, three different kind of ESPN uh, employees have given kind of different numbers in that area, but I'm going to take them at their word that that's probably pretty accurate. Look, bud, you can disagree with me. My opinion on this is that if there was a firm number with absolute clarity, that almost every school would be at the ACC at this point, because you can borrow against that. You can write a check, whatever. If there were, if, if there were clarity and there weren't this idea as to what are your media rights, where do they go? Uh, even if you come here does it mean that ESPN's going to be uh you know, say you were to go to Big 10 which I I think you're much more likely to go to the SEC at this point but we can have that conversation in a couple minutes say you go to the Big 10 just for this hypothetical and you're on a Fox property does ESPN still own your media rights for the next 13 or 14 years I mean that ambiguity is why schools haven't left if there's yeah. a if, if there's a number people call a private equity firm or or our good friend, Chad, or whoever else, they get a loan. They stretch us out over 20 years. They issue a bond. And they're gone. Yeah. If they're a state school. If Even if it were 500 million and and you were to know that it was 500 million, that'd be a hell of a pill to swallow. It'd be really hard. But I think most of these schools would be gone by August 1st.
1: I would agree with you on that. If there was a straight number that didn't require all those schools to have a, a landing spot, right? but i don't think there is at this point a straight number that they can borrow against because if there was it didn't require eight schools and i'm i'm using the number 8 because the acc's grant of rights in or in order to dissolve it apparently needs more than half meaning you know not 7 out of 14 but 8 out of 14 uh, i agree if there was a real number i i think you're 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 spot on they would be out and somebody would would probably take them the issue though is i'm not really sure there is a number but Let's say that the schools were taking an alternate route. Uh, Maybe legally, they try to find some way to get out of this. Now, this contract's been in place for quite a while, and I don't really think that... My thought is there's probably not a great legal way out of this for a couple reasons. Number one, they'd probably already have it ready to go in case it was time to, to do it, and they'd probably already be filed. That it's not tells me that the risk assessment here, these schools are running with their attorneys uh, is probably pretty high. Uh, a, they're not guaranteed to win on whatever challenge they want to make. B, if they lose, the cost could be extremely prohibitive. And it's also going to take a long time. This is probably not a lawsuit that's going to get solved you know, within a year. So it's also not, not a quick fix. And then you're in this very tenuous spot where you're suing your other basically conference mates or suing to get out from those guys it's it's just very tough so i'm not really convinced that there's a a real obvious legal solution i I think there's a lot of interesting theories out there maybe those will continue to be explored but i don't see like a real obvious one that's a a surefire winner right now i think if there was it would have been identified several years ago probably made public and then hey we can get out of this when, when the time is right which would probably be now yeah there's certainly delegates. been a,
0: a, a want to get out of this conference by multiple institutions for a while. Um, I'm very disappointed myself because the the phrase just slipped my mind. Is it sovereign immunity or what's, yeah. what's the... Okay, I, I've talked to a couple pretty accomplished lawyers and they attribute that as not much more than message board talk. I mean, I, I, I know that that's been thrown around in the past couple months that these public institutions can kind of... Uh, claim something that basically is not within their financial best interest. Um, and I'm I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. I'm not trying to speak like a lawyer. Uh, but most attorneys that I've talked to that are pretty familiar with this uh, don't put a whole lot of credence into that being a successful route that you're going to be able to challenge this grant of rights.
1: Yeah, that that is more commonly used in a tort. Okay, so like the state messes somebody up, you, you, know, you sue them, it's capped. You need to go to the legislature to get more money. It's not really for contract law in most situations. So I I, I agree with you. That that is just message board stuff. You maybe could argue that on a contract of this size, that a state institution or like like one person being a university president didn't actually have the authority to enter into that agreement, and that maybe that like, like something of that magnitude and that duration needs to be approved by a state legislature. I don't know. I mean, that's maybe something you could just, if you're throwing stuff against the wall, you got what, Florida, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, what other state school or like states rather, not state schools. Pitt is, is Pitt private? Well, South, Clemson, South Clemson, Carolina. Right, South Carolina. So maybe like you find something there, but still, like that's not, that could vary state to state. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. So that, but then again, like, Then you'd be like, yeah, I guess what, the the deal's voided, potentially. That's a real tough road to hoe. Um, I think the most likely option, which is still unlikely, of the ACC dissolving soon, is if you find eight schools that want to break the grant of rights. The problem is, in order to want to break the grant of rights, you need to have something better lined up, and probably significantly better in order in order to leave because you're not going to leave the ACC if you're one of these middling schools to go to the Big 12 for a million more dollars a year you're going to be traveling all over hell's half acre like can you imagine if, if you are Boston College and you're like hey, we're going to join the Big 12. okay imagine flying from Chestnut Hill to Waco to Lubbock to Manhattan Kansas to Lawrence uh, it, it's not a great situation for those guys But that's on the bottom, and we'll get to that in a minute. Among the top schools, I know you were sketching this out earlier, With tiers. Who do you see as properties that are almost certainly wanted most likely by at least one of the big two, if not both? So
0: I think the ACC has, I broke this down, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. Um, I think the ACC has five tier one properties. Clemson, Miami, Florida State, UVA, UNC. We'll explain that because some of y'all may question some of those selections. Tier 2, and we'll come back to all this. Tier 2, in my opinion, NC State, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Duke, Louisville, Pitt. Some of that is eye the beholder, but uh, my opinion. Tier 3, Boston College. Tier 4, Wake and Syracuse. Um, I think if you're going to get to 8... In my opinion, bud, the SEC would need to feel comfortable taking like NC State and Virginia Tech, right? Uh, and then you'd have to have a, a large enough grab from the from the Big Ten as to UVA, UNC, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Miami, whatever, um, and then or Clemson, uh, and then you'd have a couple properties to make its way into the SEC. But you'd need if if UNC and UVA are moving to the SEC per se, then I I don't see any yeah. world that you could even think of getting to eight. I don't know that you could get to six right? Uh, so, if that happens.
1: Let's explain that. So the Big Ten wants to take schools that are in the AAU. That's kind of a stated thing. A lot of their presidents have said that over the years. Who knows if that stays going forward as, an, as a rule because Nebraska was in it. When they were in the process of getting the Big Ten, they dropped out because they went 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 down a little bit as a school. But I do think that's still probably a, at the bare minimum a preference of those uh, of of the Big Ten. Um, Virginia Tech, I don't think is an AAU member, right? Like that's right. not yeah yeah. No. And I'm not starting trying to crap on bot Tech. I mean, I got an FSU degree, and and they're not an AAU member, and they're not close. Uh, NC State is not an AAU member. I agree with you. Like, there's certain dominoes that have to fall. If you're the SEC, you probably just try to go grab um, you know, Virginia and North Carolina for sure, because then that cuts off the Big Ten from like double expanding, unless they want to really sacrifice some of their academic stuff. Virginia is uh, is valuable, as is North Carolina to both, because neither conference is in those states right now. And to reference a tweet by Cole Kubelik, I think we talked about two or three episodes ago. He said, the Big Ten Network was drawing $0.10 cents per cable box in the Los Angeles market. With the addition of USD and UCLA, it is drawing a dollar fifty per cable box per month in the Los Angeles market. That is huge. Now, if you add UVA, if you add UNC, I mean, Charlotte and obviously, you know, DC are and like i don't understand charlotte Charlotte hill is not technically full dc market but you, you, get, you get the point um uh, those that, that would be a lot of money for those schools that are already in you know big 10 networks everywhere sc networks everywhere hell acc network is everywhere uh, it's just not as popular those are why they're obvious targets i think that florida state and miami probably won maybe both would be attractive to the big Ten in terms of expanding markets and expanding reach of the Big Ten network. Uh, and you would really make the Big Ten a full coastal uh, conference. I mean you USC in Miami is about as far as you, as, far as you can get unless you want to add you know like University of Alaska or, or Washington or something like that. but man, I, I agree with you. like like there's a path there's a path to like six promotion and then two. Okay, so like, you're, you're fully correct, I think, about you would need the right schools to go to the right leagues for this to work in, in, in the short term. But even so, I don't think you get much past six. I think the other two would have to come basically from schools saying, well, hey, this is not really tenable long-term staying in the ACC. We're going to jump to the Big Ten, so, or excuse me, to the Big 12. Or some combination of the Big 12 and, and whomever, maybe that is Pitt and NC State or something like that. Maybe that is how you, in theory, here of course, could get eight. But it, it is, uh, it's somewhat concerning that yep. you're having to like look on both ends. So like schools that are getting promoted, moving up, and then also like some schools that are life rafting this thing. Pitt I and think, Louisville to the B-12 oh, would,
0: right. would be a good landing place for them. I mean, they would have West Virginia over there. They'd be able to have a little bit of a geographic rivalry. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think you need you need the SEC to see value in getting into North Carolina and Virginia and not those the flagship universities of the state. Um, and you would need Georgia Tech to go to the big. And then some Florida State, Clemson, and Miami are the – Three schools in the conference that I could see uh, going to either UVA UNC uh, could be desired by either. I think there's a better cultural fit in the Big Ten for them, but oh, uh, for sure, you know, money money trumps culture uh, at times, certainly. But you know, we'll just have to see. Uh, I will say that um, there was a, a decent amount of, of kind of quiet optimism a couple weeks ago that maybe there might be something sooner on the horizon than later. Uh, haven't heard a whole lot of that over the last seven or eight days, but I don't, this is pure conjecture. There's sometimes where I tell you like, Hey, I'm not sure about this. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, this is not, this is me just guessing. I wonder if there was not an opinion two weeks ago or so that you might have eight, you might have eight landing spots for different people, not eight that want to leave. I I think you got a full conference that want to leave other than, you know, probably wait Q and B.C. Uh, I just don't think you have eight chairs available right now to try to find people uh, in, in ultimate landing place and try to get to the number to where you could, you know, obviously have the cleanest break is if you can reach some kind of majority that, that decide to push the nuclear button on this thing. But until then we're all just kind of here pending. And so we're, that's our conference status right now It's just pending Hoping that we're not pending for the next 10 years and that there's some kind of a uh, break from this purgatory and we can have some kind of you know clarity as to what
1: the future looks like and maybe more importantly what the future paycheck's gonna look like. I agree with you on that. I I, I want to point out something by the way, and people are like, Well, why why would they not take this? Like that that's a good team. That would make the league better. And indeed, that is that is a consideration. Okay. But the common belief out there is that they are not going to take a team unless it makes all the other teams more money than they are currently making And so the logic on that basically is you know for the sec or or the big 10 you're cutting the pie in 17 instead of 16. so you need to add enough revenue to where you're basically in the top half of revenue producers and maybe by by good bit right because certain teams are going to account for like a lot more than just one full share in terms of revenue generated. Um, I'm not sure very many of these teams that we talked about tonight do that, but I also don't know that we're talking about the same pie. I think that there's a long game element here that I know you brought up in, in our you know pre-show talk. I, I think we'd agree not a lot of these teams are going to make the SEC or the Big Ten more money as currently comprised with the current deal, but I think that's too short-sighted to think about.
0: It is. I would argue. You know, there's there's four different states: Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. That would that would make the Big Ten's contract a hell of a lot more uh, appealing. So there's four though, There's four places there, um, and then you can decide whether or not Clemson adds to the pie. Look, I'll tell you, y'all. The conversation as to whether each individual school adds to the pie is a very small one. There's not many of them. You really need this to more be college football apocalypse and having people with the idea of like, Hey, this is our, this is our final swoop. We're, we're building the conference for the next 40 years, or we're building the current football playoff model that we're going to go to for the next 30 or 40 years and not necessarily expect to see, you know, revenue producing entities in year two or three or something like that. Cause there's just not that many out there that by themselves, you know, organically grow the pie that has to be divided. So if that's the scale that everybody's getting put on, then we're, we're going to be in purgatory for a while. You really need, uh, you know, some kind of final grab to where there's a little bit of flexibility and people are more spending with the idea as to what this looks like in 10, 20 or 30 years.
1: Right. Maybe the ability to host in, in, you know, in league playoff before you send the team out to the, the ultimate playoff. I, I think that's yeah man like you have to assume that there are other revenue streams that they're focused on you also have to like think about where the votes come from would you know would florida vote to put fsu in in the sec i doubt it uh i'm sure a m didn't want texas in now texas is a bigger brand than florida state is in the grand scheme of things so the idea that hey like florida doesn't want fsu in the sec doesn't mean anything because AM didn't want Texas in the SEC. Uh, I think that's faulty because Texas AM is not a major brand compared to Texas right now. Now maybe if they keep spending like they are, possibly, but that's still gonna take a hell of a long time. Yeah, um, there's
0: I mean, there's there's two or three brands in college athletics that are as large as Texas. I, I yeah. just I wouldn't compare. Um I wouldn't academically exp- they're also really good. Yeah, really good,
1: great and an ball Obvious school. fit for the Big Ten.
0: Yep. And uh, I, know, I know we're talking about college football teams, right? But trust me, these these graduate school programs matter to a lot of these people that are in conversations, whether they be college presidents, whether they be t- TV networks. Uh, you know, one reason UVA is as appealing an entity as it is, it has legitimately a world class business school and law school attached to it. It has, you know, some of the more influential people in the country uh, tend to come out of there. And it's also the school that is kind of the uh, power base, which Washington DC draws from there's, there's some, you know, different schools have different appeals. Uh, but yeah. Texas is not a brand to which I'd make a whole lot of comparisons to any other school in the country about. So uh, let's talk real quickly about uneven revenue sharing. I don't see this. Uh, you know, I, I said to Bud and our pre-show, Like the second you start to do this, I really think you're just strapping yourselves with dynamite as far as the longevity of your conference. Now maybe there's some kind of Machiavellian appeal to that. If you're Florida state or another school in the ACC, word, which the uh, you know that you want to just bring this thing to an end. So yeah, let's, let's have that conversation start and then let's have each other, you know, all of us arguing with each other in two years about who got what and why. And you know, why Wake Forest doesn't get as much money as one school, but Wake Forest beat this school in football, whatever the arguments are ridiculous. Uh, The case studies aren't massive, but history would show us that this brings about the end of your conference uh, quicker than it offers you some kind of sustaining lifeline. Uh, I'm curious to see it, bud, because I don't think it's a great thing. But, you know, maybe there's
1: some kind of ancillary angle that some of these schools would have in the back of their minds. So counterpoint. USC asked for this, did not get it and bolted. Now, I think USC would have bolted even if they did get it, because, I mean. It's kind of common sense, right? Uh, like the Big Ten is just that much better than the Pac-12 as far as money. Does it, are there are there some schools in this league that would accept like a 60% share of what they've been making as opposed to having to drop down? Like, are there any schools that you can think of that if they only had two options? And I don't think they do. I think the third option is to say, hey, pound sand, we'll t- we'll take our full share. We'll take our money, we'll make this as hard, as hard as humanly possible, and we'll go figure out what we're going to do in you know 13 years from now. Uh, now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll figure out something long before then. Uh, but are there any schools that in theory, if the, if the choice is take this or p- perhaps the conference splits up much earlier, that they would not make at least 60% of what they're making now if they had to go elsewhere? Yeah. I mean, if, if Wake Forest doesn't want to play, you know,
0: Hampton, Sydney and Washington and Lee, then yeah, that's probably what they need to do. At the same time, if I'm Wake Forest, what you just alluded to there. And I know that I've only got, you know, 13 years worth of big time college athletic checks coming to my name. Hell no, I'm not doing it. I want my money. I want my money for as long as I'm in this conference. And then you'll Um, figure it out later. Yeah. And I I mean, if, how much more money am I going to make if I take five years of unequal revenue sharing uh, then if I take eight and I'm kicking off, you know, 40% back into the broader pool, the other, the other problem with this is, is that there's not really enough money in the pool to take from Wake, Syracuse, BC, whoever you want it to be, and right. then give to other schools. It's just not that, you know, if you, if Wake Force just for clear round numbers, let's say Wake's going to get a $30 million check and instead they take a, uh, you know, 55% or whatever. So they get 16 million. Okay. So you got $14 million back in the pool and say, you're going to pay that to Miami, Clemson, Florida state, UNC, whatever it may be. So you're going to give those schools 3 million, $3.25 million or 3.3 repeating, whatever it is, that's not going to change the general dynamics of this. And also, and I'm not arguing with you cause I, because I, because I've, and, you know, interpret you thinking that this is a great idea or something like that. But if everybody is under the idea that this conference has a very limited amount of days and we're just playing out the stack, then uh, even if you get $3 million more a year, hell, even if you get $10 million more a year, everybody's still trying to figure out a way to get to the Big Ten or the SEC. Uh, So I just don't think that this is some kind of lifeboat of any kind other than maybe you know, placating some small
1: amount of placation of of your larger brands. Here's something for you. And this is not on our sheet. Something kind of crazy I thought of. ESPN is probably not going to own much of the Big Ten, right? ESPN is going to own 100% of the SEC. It, it still has a pretty good interest in developing the ACC. And I think they are potentially looking at, looking into adding teams if they can, if, if, if it makes sense. That's probably not what FSU fans want to hear because they want out. Yeah. N- nor does it impact the grant of rights, which
0: I've heard thrown around. That's, that's not, there's not some legal out. If you get them to add, all it means that, is that it, it, it makes the number. If they go past 16, it makes the number all the higher to get, to get out of this thing. Um, so just want to throw that out there. I
1: agree. Um, what if you could somehow negotiate with espn something where like you get x x more dollars per year now uh, but if you leave for another conference that's not the sec you have to give it back Hmm. almost sort of like uh like like almost a reverse grant of rights that way espn can protect certain brands in the conference that it already basically owns the ESPN reverse mortgage. Um, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like almost like, like the ESPN reserve clause. Okay. Like, yeah, like we, we understand we need to float you a little more money to make sure you're still trying to compete at the highest level. We may call you up to this league whenever, um, this is totally out of left field. Like this might be really half baked. It's not a great idea to like workshop ideas literally (laughs) live. Um, I don't know. I I just wonder if you're if you're ESPN. Why would you leave it to chance that the Big Ten might get some of those schools? Mm-hmm. Maybe that speaks to how strong ESPN feels this contract is. Yeah, that they have not done so. Le- I
0: I think you're absolutely right that uh, right about that, and let's uh, return to that shortly. But uh, one thing you don't want to leave the chance is working with the best team in the game when it comes to getting a mortgage. Uh, we've been so fortunate to work with. Uh, the OGs of the, uh, the lending sponsors uh, with Chad and Shannon, they are the legendary team. They've been fantastic for approaching 450 listeners of ours, which is just a mind-boggling number, uh, but included in that number, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Shannon is uh, as good a guy as you could ever work with, as professional and responsive as anyone that I've encountered in my professional life. It's a market that's changing, uh, not by the day, but changing by the week. And uh, certainly there's been some nuance involved in the changing rates. Uh, Work with the best team possible. And uh, Bud and I wholeheartedly assure you that is the team, uh, the legendary team of Chad and Shannon.
1: No doubt about it. I've used them twice. Certainly would recommend using them again. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. That is it's 844-FSU-LOAN. What in the world is going on with my lighting? It's like slowly getting darker throughout the episode. I I, I don't know. This, this is annoying me to the point where I need to try to figure out. Like, Also, it's turned to blue. So I'm not really sure why we're on. I mean, that's terrible, too. That's even worse. Okay. Well, my lighting broke. Oh, no. Now, green? There you go. All right. Apparently, the green button works, guys. I've got a little boat nice. here for the. Ocean green
0: behind you there. Yeah. Um, okay one thing that I think is radio acting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Just as being in this conferences. Oh gosh. So I'm curious if you're the ACC and you've got this contract that as we were just talking about, we, they think is by all counts written by some good, good lawyers. Uh, This is not something that anybody's found found by some dummies, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of holes to poke in. So if you're ESPN, What's this is a, this is an uncomfortable conversation for Florida State fans and anybody in the ACC. But what's the value of a fantastic contract when weighed against watching some of the properties that you own in that contract kind of wither and die on the vine? Is it is it worth you playing out this brilliant contract for the next fourteen years if Clemson, Miami, Florida State, and anybody else? of football value more or less just kind of withers away. Um, I think, you know, it's not there yet. Obviously there's a large revenue disparity and we're only heading in two different directions, but I think by 2026, bud, there's going to be a pretty clear delineation as to whether or not you're playing JV football or sec big 10 football. And I think uh, perception among high school prospects is there to an extent but I only think it's going to be more defined. I only think it's going to be a bigger deal in time. You know, if you're Florida State, Clemson, Miami, anybody else that wants to play big time college football, can you survive playing minor league college football for eight years, for six years? I don't know. I, I don't know what happens here or what it looks like, but I, I think we're going to get a pretty good idea as to what ESPN kind of values, what they think the long-term prospectus of the sport is, or whether or not they're just going to ride out one hell of a contract that John Swafford gave them, and uh, you know, roll this thing
1: into 2036. I, I think it's certainly possible uh, that they could decide to just ride that thing out. I mean, they have shareholders that, that they're beholden to, right? And like, they're in seemingly no rush uh, to have that happen, like, like to ha- have that get get away from them now because like they're they make a pretty good amount of money on it. Um, but here's the thing: like, you're going to get the football only facility built. I don't know what other adaptations are coming to college football that are like major death star type projects that you're going to miss out on building like you may go through a if this were not to go well you may go through a low period but like once you get out what is the worry that like too much damage has been done to your brand is the worry uh like that your fans check out and don't come back once you get that infusion of cash in, in a new league is the, is the worry that like, maybe the, the value you bring your new league isn't there. So you don't get invited at that point. I mean, Miami basically took 15 years off in college football and their fans seem to be back. Right. Like that's only kind of half joking here. Yeah. So I think you'd have to be down for longer than that. Not that would be fun if it were to happen. And I think you'll get out of this, this league, earlier than eight years I really don't think you're gonna stay in in the ACC you know in 2030 I'm just not convinced that it happens like in like the next year you know uh but if you're the ESPN it's an interesting question like it's not so much that ESPN cares about those teams it's more protectionism for its big investment that is the SEC and like playing keep away why did the Big Ten take those two schools out west? Was it really ready to expand to the West Coast? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I already said the cable box thing, which certainly makes a lot of sense, but it's also playing keep away. If the SEC, which traditionally has been very much about drivable games for its fans, not having to fly everywhere, that like part of the whole thing is you're, you're seeing all your guys you work with at the water cooler and you're talking back to them. If they're willing to say, yeah, uh, Florida and Austin, Texas and Columbia, Missouri are in the same league, well, then that whole geography thing is basically out the door for the SEC. And for the Big Ten, it might as well be as well. I, I think it was much as a, a, a keepaway move, same as ESPN, I think, and certainly the SEC and Notre Dame were working together. Notre Dame got what it want by having that automatic – not automatic, but damn near automatic playoff spot in in, in the 12th thing, the twelve team post-playoff, and they played keep away from the Big Ten. When does Notre Dame go to a conference? It's probably when they don't have a reasonable path to the playoff. So that same logic could apply. Are you able to keep a Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson away from the Big Ten? Although Clemson in the Big Ten I have a hard time seeing, but – still does that make sense I guess I I don't want to make it seem I I know a couple episodes I, I think I I didn't do a good enough job explaining it's not so much that ESPN cares about its investment in those teams it already has a good profitable investment now but the ACC ESPN could choose to view it as a bit of a farm system for its major investment and sort of try to shepherd those better properties along as they build those you know, quote-unquote super conferences because i'm still very steadfast in the idea we're not stopping at 32. i know what matt hayes report said the very upper division of college football is not going to be 32 teams i think it's probably 50 or 60 in the long term you're still going to need some teams to take some losses you know like if you are i don't know like let's pick a school here that p- give me a school that normally wins more games than it loses occasionally plays for a conference title game. Uh, Auburn? Auburn's probably pretty good. Now, they do have some real, real ops. I mean, they've played for and won a national title in the last 10 to 12 years. But if you're Auburn, and all of a sudden you're adding Florida State, Miami, and Clemson to the SEC, uh, you recruit all those areas pretty hard that's going to push you down a little bit. Are you cool with going five and seven often? Because you're not going to play a whole lot of non-conference games once we break off as as big tier D1. Like maybe you play one quote unquote lower division game. Are you cool with, with like a good year being eight and four? I don't know. That's why I think we're going to have more teams than people realize in this thing. You know, and maybe you have some unequal revenue sharing among those teams just to get in because some teams are going to say yes. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe like a Duke, which is crazy as it sounds. Maybe they get in, they agree to just take those beatings in football so they continue to have a lot of money to play basketball at a a real high level. You know, Vanderbilt, who obviously I root for really hard now because you know, Barton's there. Uh, they basically get a paycheck to get their butts whipped in football. And they spend a lot of that on, on being really great in, bas- in, in baseball, and sometimes okay in basketball, not usually, but sometimes. So I don't know, man. Like I, I don't want to make it sound like they're invested in these teams. I think they're invested in not letting these teams go to another league, but you could also make the counter argument. Well, Hey, one way to not let the other league take them is just let them die on the vine. Yep. Oh uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh i don't think these schools are here for the long term uh i don't think that's going to be in play but it is you know something that uh i think will be made all the more clear in 2025 2026 moving forward and each year you're not in one of those conferences from that year moving forward um i don't you know it's uh two to three years won't kill you but i don't think you want to flirt with a whole lot of uh otherwise to answer your question what are some of the bad things that could come from that? Hey, look, uh, I've, I've said this for since the beginning of NIL. Um, yes, it's going to matter if you give your quarterback $3 million or $9 million or whatever, but what is going to be equally important is the ability to put these guys on some type of salary and say everybody that's on the roster is getting 35 55 whatever. Um, I know you can't officially do that with television money, at least right now. Uh, I think that will get washed uh, enough times in the future to where you'll start to see that bleed into NIL and where it's going to matter. So I I think if you're not in the right place, you're going to look at having a collective salary of $20,000 and somebody down the road is going to have 85,000. And I don't care what the roster, I don't care what the recruiting relationship is, whatever else, you're just not going to win that. You might win that one out of 30 times. Um, it's, It's just going to be truly, you're playing triple a baseball
1: and other schools are playing in the majors. I agree with on that. It, it makes a lot of sense, uh, unfortunately, but I, I mean, I still have a lot of hope here. Like I'm not just trying to like sell hopes. So people keep listening to a podcast. You know, I, I do think that ultimately this works out for them.
0: Yeah. They've I'm just talking about what happens if, if you don't. And, and I don't, Again, I think there's movement here. Um, I, I was more optimistic about it two weeks ago than I am right now. But I I still think uh, when you talk to other people, uh, look, when you talk to people at Clemson, uh, they're all but packing up the car, you know, ready to ready to get the hell out of this conference and celebrate doing it. I mean, they're they're gung ho. Uh, UNC is not being shy about letting some of their power brokers know that they're evaluating every option. Same with UVA. Everybody wants to leave. And whenever you have a situation like that, you're basically just sitting on a time bomb. It could happen in two weeks. Could happen in two years. We'll just have to see if whatever ingredients to the recipe uh, that's necessary for this large breakoff to occur. Uh, but in the time being, I think everybody's just kind of sitting here looking at each other, knowing that uh, you know their ultimate future is in another conference. So
1: yeah, for sure. By the way, uh, Luke Cromenhuck, the uh, quarterback that FSU has committed. Had to set the kid straight, man, on Twitter. Um, nice dude. Like talking to him. But uh, he he thinks that the single best quarterback season ever is uh, Joey Burrow. I was like, no, nah, man. It, it's unquestionably Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Nobody else on that offense ever took a snap in the NFL. Didn't know that. It's and he, all the and more he looked, impressive. Yeah. He looked like a dad dunking on eight-year-olds in pool basketball consistently against guys who were future first-rounders on defense. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Cam, money well spent there. Uh, but then bad. again, I'm not really sure Luke was born when Cam. Uh, when was Cam? Twenty? When was the Cam back? Was that 2010? Yes. Yeah. So he was like five. Okay setting him straight. (laughs) I did. Yeah. I I let him know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He he liked the reply. Okay. All right. Well, one thing that we're sure that you'd like is, uh, is partnering with our good friends over at Congruity. Uh, certainly been something that we've more than liked, uh, over the years. Matt Lewis, fantastic individual. Spend 10 minutes with him. Uh, five of us talking about Florida state ball five, talking about how he can help with your business. Uh, Talked to a listener named Patrick earlier this week, uh, trying to put him and Matt together. Uh, So whether it be uh, payroll, HR, uh, anything that your business may have a a little bit of a hole in its coverage, or you want to have a simpler, more efficient way of doing that, uh, Matt Lewis is fantastic. Congruity is a great company, one that we're proud to partner with. Congruityhr.com is the website. And as always, feel free to reach out to me. If you would prefer for a third party introduction, as uh, old Mister Patrick did, you know,
1: what would be really cool is if Matt Lewis could do like not only HR and payroll management, but bedtime management. Right, just like consistency of bedtime that would be nice. I, I that, w- that would be sorry. I was... He's uh he'll zoom in with your
0: children for ten minutes, put them to sleep. You
1: know, did you notice everybody uh, gave you credit for that tweet the other night?
0: Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. It's all right.
1: Just leave it alone yeah leave it alone Can we talk about the chris parson d commitment yeah uh yeah i guess we need to real quickly i like the kid um as travis branham our basketball analyst 24 7 sports said today a lot of times it's not just the kid making the decision a lot of times you got to recruit other people around the kid parents trainers whomever and a lot of times they make the decision and i think his dad um you know with his recent comments was pretty obvious uh, that he values his son uh, a whole lot and uh you know you got to make sure your your valuation of yourself is matched up to the uh whatever valuation is actually uh there and I I mean look FSU wanted to take two quarterbacks I think they like Brock Glenn more than Parson maybe not a ton more but I think they like him more and uh they weren't going to not pursue him and take him just to keep Chris Parson in the fold and speaking of chroma hope I, mean, I I think Chrome Hope's better prospect than Parson is so if you're him, you also got to consider, okay, do they like the other 23 they're bringing in more than me? And the 24 just outplayed me at FSU league camp, despite the fact he's only played like one year of quarterback. So when am I going to start here? It's kind of my take on it, but I, yep. I do like talking to the kid, like especially when he's not surrounded by everybody else. Yep. Best of luck to
0: him. Hope he finds yep. a landing place, whether that be uh, Mississippi State or, if i'm him i'd love to see how serious smu is about nil and uh let's let's see what uh see what some of that oil money wants to do to get a prospect that otherwise would have been playing in the power 5 but uh, good luck to chris and uh you know we'll we'll monitor from afar but looks like we got the clarity that we talked about in last week's episode we had a feeling that was going to come one way or another no doubt about it uh what else we got tonight anything so oh, yeah. As we depart and end this, um, this is a little bit out of whack, but I I do want to have us leave with the idea that maybe it's not in all these schools' best interest to play football. I mean, we talked about Wake Forest, and we joked about them playing my alma mater and stuff like that. That's about the size of the school they are. Um, I don't... I don't want to like be conspiratorial, but I know that you mentioned this to me, so I'm not trying to steal your point. I find it very interesting that Pat Forte has kind of thrown out the idea that Stanford, Stanford may not be playing college football for forever and forever I'm in. Uh, I would be fascinated as to if this process that we're about to watch plays out also includes some of these academic institutions just being like, you know what? Thanks. No, thanks. I don't think we're going to be part of this. And uh, if such a school as Sanford's considering doing that, that's pretty wild. I mean, you know, they're not a, a football power, but that's a pretty good football school historically. And it certainly had its uh
1: its high water moments. I, it makes a lot of sense to me that they might consider not doing that. I, so what if Cal joins him? You know, what? what if you get a league of... I don't think anybody would actually leave the Big Ten or the SEC, right? If you did in the Big Ten, it would probably be Northwestern, I would guess. Um, but there may be enough schools out there that decide we're good. We're not really trying to play semi-professional college football for, you know, ongoing and actually have, you know, players as employees and whatnot, Um I mentioned what if Duke decides, like, what if Duke is is attractive because they'll they'll take the football, they'll take the whole check, they'll take the football losses. It's basically a bye week for a breather for everybody, and they'll give you that quality basketball, assuming that they're still good after Coach K hangs it up. Which recruiting wise, they seem to be doing pretty well. I was gonna say
0: recruiting <laughs> would suggest
1: that they're <laughs> yeah. not going anywhere. Uh, yeah. They they
0: they know how to to leverage the NIL when it comes to that. Absolutely. Um,
1: so that you know that that's certainly a possibility, but like uh, Boston College. Could Boston College join that Stanford role if, if Stanford were to not play football anymore? And I'm not really yeah. sure that like I think is just floating it because you know on their podcast, because his daughter, uh, I think her name is Brooke, was a really good swimmer there and was at the Olympic trial. So he he obviously knows a lot of people within the athletic department at Stanford. it's um, impressive. Yeah, good yeah. for him. I didn't know that.
0: That's uh it's it's ridiculous to look at the amount of uh the amount of Olympians and stuff that that school's, you know, uh, it's oh, not it's breaking nuts. news to say that that's one of the best athletic departments in the country. I mean, it routinely wins the the Sears Award or whatever it's called now. Um,
1: as, as the Director's Cup, right? Director's Cup, yeah. Whoever whoever the title sponsor. Well, yeah, Director's Cup looks like an actual like measuring cup. They're like, oh, we have one sport yes we do and 40 42 of our revenue goes into it if you don't leave yeah. us
0: uh yeah i guess syracuse could be another school in this conversation sure. but uh, i i, I could see
1: that like pitt i think still wants to play football they do I, I think pitt in
0: the in the right person's eyes is kind of an attractive property we'll, we'll see they're obviously they're, not how
1: good are they academically like i don't i, I I'll, I'll admit of being a little bit ignorant of that
0: yeah i don't uh i don't i'm not sure about that either i mean look real quickly here Hmm. and obviously western pennsylvania is not the hotbed of talent that it once was but uh it still has its pull and you know the state of pennsylvania is one of the more populated states in the country um yeah it, it doesn't look like it's a you know looks like it's a not necessarily a value add or, or a black eye either. It's a kind of a fairly average academic institution.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. I don't, I don't know, man. It's just be very interesting to see it play out. I, do you think we have all quiet the rest of the summer? Are, are we going to jinx this? <laughs> can, can we jinx it into existence? Uh, I think if you
0: get past August 5th or so, that not much more is going to happen. Maybe August 10th or something like that. I mean, I think there's a period of time where there may be a little bit of movement. Two weeks ago, I would have told you that maybe there was more likely to see something happen this summer. I just don't see where that's coming from, y'all. To be perfectly honest with you, and things can change, and conference realignment is unlike any subject matter that there is out there. But... When I lean on uh, the network of contacts that I have and and talk with Bud as well, I just don't see the avenue for immediate movement on this. We'll we'll see if that changes.
1: I I agree with you on that. I I think ESPN probably tries to milk a couple more profitable years out of the ACC, and then we see what what happens. Yeah, We'll see how wrong we are.
0: Uh, Here's to being wrong on this one. Just get us the the, the you-know-what out of this conference. Uh, But, you know. Till then, uh, we'll be talking about the wonderful ACC. Uh, and I know you're headed up to ACC Media Day, so interested in hearing on that. And we'll certainly uh, lean on your experience, not something uh, that I'm going to do this year. But it does have a little bit of uh, of the 2012 meetings that uh, you and I and everybody were at. And that is kind of the gold standard wild. of ACC
1: meetings. So <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe you'll see that again. You got, yeah, that you got the uh, orange overalls crew. Oh yeah. Uh, that was that uh... was a good AC meetings. Um the Jameis one mm-hmm. for as crazy as that was was uh was a good one. Um Lamarcus joyner uh what did he say? Uh, oh good luck with that, Clemson. That was <laughs> that was a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. Um I forgot the question asked him was something ridiculous it was like like he goes uh, the guy the guy asked him something like is Taj boy just living the life Or so it was right. something just ridiculous That's I was like right. you remember this I, I do remember it we yeah there, and like, it was you
0: know but purple and orange uh polo to an and FSU player was, right yeah, yeah that was uh some of the Clemson media is a different dynamic in general. They don't oh. have they don't have like a singular dominant power as far as like a website or whatever. That so family got, tree goes up and down. Yeah, they've got ton, yeah. and uh, it's it is some of it is uh, <laughs> some of it. You know, obviously, there's not a whole lot of big, you know capital J journalism anymore at all, particularly in some of these fan sites. But uh, there's a period of time where Clemson Clemson was just something else uh, funny.
1: Funny. Hey man, Dabo does right. Takes him out, takes him out, plays a golf tournament with all the media before oh, the year. Oh. You know, like, they, they're, yeah. Yeah. Dabo's, Davos done well. Nobody gets in trouble at Clemson. That's part of, you know, like they, they just, they, they do a really good job. <laughs> Little old Clemson.
0: Yep. <laughs> all right. All right. right, brother, man. Another good null cast in the books. Certainly uh, appreciate y'all listening. If you're still here with 55 minutes into it, that's uh, even all the more appreciated. If you want to just let us uh, know on Twitter with some kind of, crazy code word we haven't done that in a while uh we'll just say uh i don't know what it is but i'll put you on the spot but uh otherwise thank you for your listenership if you give us a chance to give us five stars on itunes or any other podcast device know that it is greatly appreciated all right buddy see you later man